and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I am one of your hosts. Every Wednesday and Friday, we bring you interviews with makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Andrea de Leon, who is a, um, gosh, um, a scientific glassblower, that for sure, um, as well as like a metal worker, metalsmith, sculptor, artist. Um, she really just does so much stuff um, and knows so much about <laughs> the ways different materials move, which is pretty, pretty awesome when we kind of get into that conversation around the curiosity of how materi different materials move differently. Um, and that's as much as I'm giving you with this intro. Uh, so I know you're going to enjoy the interview, but before we get on into it with Andrea, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom, Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued support helping to produce two episodes a week every week. If you would like to get your name added to this list, you certainly can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution. No matter what tier level you pick, your name will get added to the list and you will be thanked at the top of the episode every episode. And with no further ado, let's head on into the interview with Andrea. Um, um well, I mean, if you're if you're good, we can kind of just get started. Sure. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Well, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Sure. Um, my name is Andrea Dillian. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe what I do. I guess I'm a, a fabricator, uh, mostly metalsmithing. Um, I teach jewelry fabrication, but uh, I've also been known to do some scientific glass blowing and sculpture. So that's okay. like my main interests okay so i have yeah. maybe i need to understand when you say you said scientific glass blowing what yeah. is what's that versus uh i guess i don't know other kinds of glass blowing so it's like definitely a niche in the glass world that's like a little less known and i'm trying to be more of an advocate for it um it's more specialized for um, basically making the apparatuses for researchers and developers. So the machinery is different. The types of glass is different than what you're used to seeing. It's not like that blown away show at all. <laughs> it's, it's definitely more technical and like combines pretty much everything that I like, which is machining and like torches and uh, really precise, um, you know, specs and all mm -hmm. that okay. crazy machinery <laughs> yeah. okay awesome um and i'm sure i will dive in and ask more questions about that as we go along but um i want to start kind of broad and ask like what's what's your story starting as like baby andrea until um and getting into what you do now um yeah, it was anything but a straight path, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I still feel like I'm all over the place. But essentially, when I was younger, I was always, like, attracted to anything that was, like, design, architecture, art in general. Um, I came from a really conservative Mexican family, very supportive. But, you know, uh, working with your hands and getting dirty was not acceptable, right? So me just being a contrarian I dove in at first <laughs> I was <laughs> a bit of a tomboy so um yeah I was like getting dirty writing ATVs just wanted to um go against the grain a little bit 
Um, and I think that's where I got the grit to just start um, figuring it out. So I, and then I actually ended up going to um, SCAD uh, for a couple of years, starting in architecture and uh, moved closer to industrial design. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I figured that, I saw the program at UT, which is a little more all-encompassing. So it was anything from woodworking, sculpture, metals, ceramics, painting, photography, um, lithography. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to choose, basically curate what classes you took. Um, and I feel like that attributed a lot to just kind of being a Jill of all trades um, and being able to grasp different materials quickly. Because mm-hmm. um, basically it's like, you know, if you know the physics of how things are constructed and basically the limitations and benefits of a material, you can kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, I, in school, I was definitely attracted to metal smithing. So non-ferrous, small metals, it was more like art metal. So it was like that weird, like couture, uh, conceptual, crazy pieces that go on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that direct connection to the human form and like how it questions, like how you move, how it restricts it. Um, I wasn't limited necessarily to the materials. I wasn't limited to using silver, or copper, or brass. I could use wood, plastic, glass. Um, so that's why I stuck with it, um, especially because it's just so highly technical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I attribute getting all my other jobs after college to knowing like just that I for precision and uh, problem solving that metalsmithing gave me. So. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you're mentioning like basically like material science and stuff. So it sounds like you have maybe a little bit of like kind of like analytical brain going on there with understanding like science and math and um, chemistry. And I kind of feel like I wish I had known you in college so I could have done better in my material sciences class. Probably. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely, um, I mean, in high school, I like got a hundred in physics and stuff like that. Like I was definitely more of a math, which is why I started out in architecture. Um, mm-hmm. It just, I can't really draw, but I can draw with number, like with mathematically, absolutely. Um, And I guess that's why a lot of my sculpture somewhat reflects that. Um, But yeah, I think like, especially with metals again, like I had to like learn all this, but there's no way around it. Like you need to know when your metal is work hardened, when it's annealed, like how to get it to move, how to like Mm -hmm. get it to make it do what you want right there's no way around not knowing what's happening with material so that actually made me question every other material that I use after that yeah I mean I predominantly work with wood um wood and resin are the two material you know mediums that I work with um and I definitely remember getting like fascinated when I finally had a class that talked about like wood movement and just like stuff like that and not like it made me understand things in a different way. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And then the same with resin, like it's a completely different type of material and it mm-hmm. also depends, like there's a bunch of different types of resin <laughs> that you can use out there. Yeah. And, and, and a lot that, of variables, right? Yeah, that affect yeah. the, the catalyzation of yeah. it. Yeah. Know. I always found it interesting that a lot of those like, you know, smooth on products and stuff like that where that you pour actually mm-hmm. depend a lot on platinum and stuff that like metals essentially yeah. to yeah. catalyze. Um, so, I mean, that's another little, I can nerd out <laughs> on anything, <new>, but <laughs> yeah, resin, resin actually, I mean, uh, acts completely different from, from what it, to my understanding, you know, and how, even how they sand is at a different rate. Something yeah. To pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think maybe that's like, been my fascination with resin is you know I have screwed it up more often than I have like gotten it right and it's it's a lot of trial and error and um 
it's unfortunately expensive when you screw it up to the level I have, <laughs> I have screwed it. Oh yeah. Up. <laughs> Um, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely like, I feel like I've always had, I've, I am very intrigued by both uh, glass and different types of metalworking. Um, I've just not really, but outside of like some minimal welding, I've never really, you know, messed around with it at all. And I think it's probably because I find it intimidating because of how much information you have to like, understand to be successful with it. it's not yeah I mean I, I don't mean, know I, I feel like I feel like woodworking like has such a broad range that you can be successful pretty easily with it um versus like to your point you know if you don't get something hardened correctly or whatever uh it could be catastrophe later on like it may look great in the moment but um later on it it could have a, a massive failure so yeah I mean I feel that way actually about woodworking there's so <laughs> it's so broad to me and like you know it's unforgiving the fact that like you know you have to pay attention to grains and like how it's <laughs> like you know how it's constructed and its strength right like utilizing it in a specific orientation I mean again like I know minimal about it other than you know the other basic types of wood construction that I yeah. use you know built I've built a bench before like okay right. but <laughs> <laughs> um so I feel the same way but I like to teach like when I do explain to other people how to do things um the why's not the how's necessarily mm -hmm. like obviously I'll show you step by step but um I feel like you can problem solve anything if you know the why uh, and it sinks in a little bit more mm -hmm. I think um but it's really just keep your metal clean and make sure the fit up's right or else you're going to be ended it's just like anything like if you do things from like step one correctly like mm -hmm. your life's going to be a lot easier later on right hey pond squad I would like to give a big shout out and thanks to this week's sponsor, Rockport Works. They offer safety footwear that suits people's occupation and lifestyle by incorporating performance, safety, and style into every shoe and boot. Each shoe features a slip-resistant outsole and a toe cap varying between steel, alloy, and posit. Other features such as electrical hazard and shock protection are also available depending on your safety needs. So Rockport delivers extraordinary technology-based comfort using the latest advances in construction and design to create both modern and classic shoe styles. So whatever the outfit, they've got you covered. Their goal is to support your style, to take you from work to leisure and everything in between. Try Rockport works for yourself and change the world without changing your shoes. Now, they offered to send me some boots and I said, hey, look here, I got lots of boots. I got plenty of boots. I really, really, really need a shoe that's going to work for me out in the workshop. Because right now, if I don't feel like wearing my work boots, I'm wearing my tennis shoes. And not only is it hard on the tennis shoes, those aren't really the best to wear protection and safety wise out in the shop. So they sent me a pair of their True Stride uh, work shoes, which are these slip on shoes that have a zipper on them and they consist of moisture wicking micro mesh liner and a leather upper. And they've got this nice little cushion in the heel that really is helpful for my lower back personally. Um, they have these shoes available in sizes from six to 12 in both M and W widths. I went with W because I've got a white foot and I'm just gonna let you know. So I went ahead and ordered my standard like eight wides and they do run a little bit big on me, but I love them even more for that, honestly, because that makes them easier to slip on and off. So I just slip right in, head on out to the garage, do some work, come in, take them off, don't track sawdust all over the house. So it is, fantastic. Um, the shoe, besides being super cool and comfy, also meets all ASTM safety standards and requirements. All right, so if you want to try out a pair of the True, Stry True Stride shoes or any of their other work 
boots and shoes, um, head on over to Rockport Works and you can use discount code FREEMAN25. That's FREEMAN, F-R-E-E-M-A-N, 25 to get 25% off of your purchase at checkout. So take advantage of this super sweet deal for listeners of the pod and head on over and check out Rockport Works. All right, let's head back into the episode. Yeah. Have you, I mean, you know, you learn obviously learned about a lot of this at school, but what, like, what portion of it do you feel like has been a little bit of that, like, trial and error to get to understand how things move and work? There's a lot. I mean, I'm almost, like, through what I've been doing this, like, for a decade now, and I think you're about right. Like, well, I don't know, 50% is kind of close. The R&D phase yeah. is real um especially in glass like I know that when I do something I'm gonna have to like prototype it just because the margin of error is so huge um now now that I have I got kind of a, a better grasp of like because I've spent the time doing all the mistakes um I know I can predict what might go wrong mm-hmm. and um so now I'm a lot more efficient um but like if you take like the overall arching theme, um, it's it's funny because I see a lot of people get discouraged from it, uh, from the failures, but if there's, that's when you get really good at problem solving, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a big part of it, but I mean, you, you wouldn't learn anything otherwise. Right. <laughs> right. I feel like you kind of have to pay your dues. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Like literally financially and time-wise, you know. <laughs> that's what, I mean, at least in the, in, and I think it applies to any kind of making, but that's what I've always said about like the woodworking world is like, even people who have been woodworking for 30, 40 years, I think something still goes wrong. At least one thing still goes wrong with every project. It's just that they've like honed their problem solving skills more yeah. than somebody who's only been doing it for like a year or two. Um, do you feel like that's the same in the medium you work in? It's like something yeah. really is still always going to go wrong, but you've just done a better job at problem solving. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll even preempt it. Like, Hey, like when I do this, this is liable to happen. This and this and this, but it's okay. Like, you know, same thing with like, you know, how I can help, solve other people's problems the reason I know how to is because I've had that problem before right and like everyone's going to have a different answer too but I absolutely I'm almost like I think that's what stuck out you um, interviewed Amanda Russell um, a woodworker here in in Austin Texas Mm -hmm. she's fantastic but I really enjoyed what she said about like there's this like respect for the material like you can do everything right and it'll still like surprise you so (laughs) The stars may be aligned, but something will still kind of, you know, throw you a curveball. But I enjoy that. I enjoy uh, riding the edge and like having to be present and that risk that it takes, that high risk. So I, I think I'd be very bored if there wasn't that element of risk in what I do. And is this, I mean, do you get to work in these mediums like full time, like as you're as your full-time job as is it artist is it like fabrication so for a long time I was actually traveling around as like this fabricator for hire I've worked in Berlin for the sculptor in LA for Neptune Glassworks um and like I was actually doing a summer apprenticeship in Chicago doing the scientific um glass but COVID kind of threw a wrench into everything. So that's been put on hold, but I've been trying to move closer to learning, like using those techniques I learned and applying them to my sculptural practice. So um, I basically, I I teach at the Austin Community College. I teach mostly uh, lost wax casting, Mm. but uh, I do like anything with jewelry fabrication, stone setting, all that stuff. Um, And then my main bread and butter outside of that is custom knives. Mm -hmm. And on this, like whenever I have like, you know, free time, I'll I'll do the sculpture. Okay. 
Um, I'm basically always making something. <laughs> it just depends on what you're making, like what avenue you're going down. Yeah. What? Yeah, it depends on what uh, materials I or equipment really I have access to. That it determines wholeheartedly what my capabilities are. So there are times like when I'm in Chicago, I don't have access to like a heat treating oven and like mm-hmm. a grinder and all that. So I just stick with the glass. You know, sometimes I don't have a forge, so I don't forge. I don't, you know, it's, but I always have to keep my hands busy. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Where is it, when you're doing your sculptural work, is that all at home, like in a home shop space? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I've actually, it was because of, uh, you know, the shutdown, I was getting stir crazy and I just, I'd never stayed put long enough to have a shop of my own. So I uh, found a spot that, you know, was affordable and, um, I got a good COVID discount deal situation, but yeah, I finally like threw in my equipment. I, I even invested in more because I was just like, I'm going to be stuck here. Like I'm going <laughs> to go all in. So yeah, I do a lot of that stuff. I do the glass and the knives. I recently, like uh, my boyfriend now shares a shop with me. He also makes knives. So it's uh, like very dusty. In there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Between the both of us, it's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, it's nice to have a spot. So maybe not, you may be not going the route of um, blown away, but perhaps forged in fire is the, the probably, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I mean, even then, I'm like, man, you know, the way that I work, you know, it's it's different, I'm like, you can't make a knife in three hours, you know, (laughs) heat treating alone takes like five, right, Yeah, it's fun to watch though. You yeah. know, um, all of those shows are interesting, and I I love you know also to like the unrealistic expectations of the producers yes. and stuff. Just it's it's funny, you know. Right. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, they do a little bit of that just to like they're basically inserting drama by reducing your time, right? That's the fun part. That's why you watch it, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, talking about growing up that you grew up in a kind of conservative, like Mexican household. Like mm-hmm. what is, what was that like being the tomboy in, in that space? And then like, hard. what you're doing now? <laughs> oh, yeah, it took a while for, you know, they've always been supportive, but we're also kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and now, now they're super proud and they're very excited, extremely supportive. Um, and, you know, but back then, you know, like my, a lot of the people back home, like uh, the women, at least like they just go to college to find a husband just to get married. And their job is just to pop out babies and like make them tacos, you know, like that's, and they're content with that. Well, some, some women are at least, but Mm -hmm. I did not fit that mold. I now looking back, I didn't really fit a lot of like the normal molds. And I was always trying to find, my place. And I finally did when I went to art school, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like there's other people that are Mm -hmm. like-minded, all individual, but like-minded. They're all hungry to just get after it um, and explore and play and um, express themselves. You know, that's mostly why I do the sculpture, just like trying to externalize like all these weird thoughts that I have. And um, um, yeah that's it was was, do you feel like once you got like you said all unique individuals once you got to art school but somewhat like-minded do you what do you feel I guess what what kind of representation do you feel like there was you know in similarities of backgrounds and stuff in those spaces um I guess it just depends on where what arena you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I started out, you know, like in in 
college at least it was about half and half like uh women and men and of all different types of backgrounds mm-hmm. um but you know once you start moving into like when i started getting more into the trades like machining mm-hmm. and uh glass blowing actually um it was mostly male a lot of fabrication shops here fortunately like you know some of like the set design fabrication shops um i worked for some companies that designed and fabricated installed museum exhibits that was like maybe a quarter of the people were women mm-hmm. um and then the rest were you know just all it was such a whirlwind those those types of jobs but um fortunately Austin's pretty progressive but um yeah like there's certain like the glass jobs are definitely more male mm. um when, at Honeywell I was the like in Chicago during the scientific apprenticeship, I was the only female and the only one like under 60. (laughs) (laughs) What's it it like going into those spaces for, for you? Well, you know, you know what to expect, you know, that someone's going to put their foot in their mouth. Like, you know, um, you know, I've always just been like, put your head down and like the proof is in the pudding. Like you just, Mm-hmm. do the work and do a good job and have a good work ethic and then they you know the work proves itself it's it's so much more satisfying to like earn someone's respect than to prove someone wrong mm-hmm. there were a lot of times where someone said something to me or they would just completely ignore me or try to sabotage like my work just because of like you know personal bias um but then you know you just after a time when, when your work proved itself, like they, they come around. So, um, yeah, those, the jobs were like, there was older men, you know, especially because you're not used to seeing someone that can do a lot of things like at the same time, like welding and machining, um, mm-hmm. and then glass and, you know, every now and then I would have to like do be in the wood shop, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, um, interesting for them because all they've seen at least in in that uh workplace was you know they have wives at home and they don't right. you know, um <laughs> expect like you know this 30 year old kid to <laughs> i don't necessarily call, like consider myself a kid but to they them, do when they're like 60 <laughs> to them i was yeah, yeah they they treated me like a daughter for a long time it was cute um but you know it's fun but I also imagine that most of well I know being you know through my job job I interact with fabrication quite often and so I also understand a lot of those spaces to be all white (laughs) you know what I didn't want to say it but yeah Yeah. you can say it this this is a safe space for saying Yeah. It was primarily, uh, there's a, like, definitely, like, uh, some Mexicans and some Filipinos and stuff um, up there. Um, I live in Texas, and, you know, it's, you know, there's a certain demographic here. There's, you know, it's just right. inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, the old world thinking as well. I definitely sometimes dread going to the, you know, the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, just I mean, uh, I feel obviously like the world I kind of uh, orbit in is more woodworking, um, but also interacting with maker spaces. And I have the understanding, like I thought there was, and there are few female woodworkers. It's not like still, you know, I would say we probably are like, I don't know. 30% at most. Um, but as I've done this podcast and tried to really push into other like realms of the maker verse and getting into like the fabrication and metal world, like I really feel it's like maybe 5%. <laughs> like <laughs> those spaces yeah. are still, and they feel like I, I, I really hope this doesn't come off bad, but they feel grittier is the like word I would use to like 
describe those spaces. Um, does that feel true to you? Like, I think it depends on again the the realm. So I've I've been fortunate enough to be uh, included in in the you know for example knife making world, mm -hmm. and that's completely different from the blacksmithing world, and that's mm -hmm. completely different from the foundry world um and etc and then like then there's just like straight up like fabrication mm -hmm. like shops um so i've been there's definitely true that you know it does feel like it's just five percent female mm -hmm. in all of those realms and i think now i'm just so used to it like i don't even like see it <laughs> but you know the the knife maker i was actually expecting a lot of pushback when i started making knives and it was a complete opposite i was experiencing nothing but support um so it was it, obviously that's like a more isolated uh craft like where mm -hmm. you're just on your own working so you're not necessarily in, a, in an environment with a bunch of other people right um but you know it's uh, generally been, I've been seeing a lot of improvement in that arena as far as like the attitude towards mm -hmm. um, supporting more uh, minority groups that are, you know, typically seen. Uh, but then I've also been in fabrication shops where like I've just, yeah, I've been, I've had a hard time just getting work done um, yeah. or they wouldn't give me a shot or mm -hmm. anything like that. Yeah, I think now with experience, like, um, again, the longer you do something, um, people just start to like, see it and recognize it. And then more opportunities come. But I don't necessarily do you feel know. like in those spaces, did you feel comfortable? Like, when you weren't sure about something, asking for help, did you feel comfortable to do that in those spaces, or did, or did you feel like you had to figure it out on your own? Mostly, I had to figure it out just to prove a point. Mm -hmm. uh, there are definitely uh, some occasions where, even, for example, like someone would say something rude to me, but like, I'm, I can't say anything because then I'll be like the sensitive woman that can't handle being in the shop, right? Mm -hmm. So you just shut up and take it and you just keep working. Um, there are other occasions where I, I like mostly I have like one someone to like be like shoot ideas with or someone mm -hmm. that was training me personally that was definitely more supportive um but i've also had instances where you know i see a problem with the machine and then i even offer to fix it i'm like hey here's the problem and then i get blamed for like as if i broke it i'm like no right. no no <laughs> <laughs> found it like this right and then i offer a solution and i get completely ignored like i don't exist and then someone else comes up and offers here's me offers the same solution I just said and they're like yeah yeah yeah, we'll do that and I'm like okay like, <laughs> <laughs> all right um you know there's so there's always that but I've always felt like in most of the uh jobs I've had like one person to like go to and mm -hmm. at least um ask but I also get really stubborn and I'm like I'm gonna figure this out um so yeah I think that helps that attitude do you find like are you getting as you gain experience do you feel like you get to get to a point where maybe you can be more selective in the spaces that you go into yeah um definitely um like I said like the like conditions of the world have like landed me where I am now um so I am really lucky that I have a really awesome job and a great institution that is a trade school. So the people that are there want to be there. So I, I love it. Like, and then I get to spend the rest of my time either, you know, if I wanted to help fabricate uh, somewhere I could, or I just hustle my knives and my jewelry. And, um, but I still have that like, um, semester like paycheck right. coming in right. so that I don't have to really like stress out over that 
but um, mm-hmm. I enjoy also throwing myself in new situations to see if I sink or swim, like, um, and just, I, I also advocate like getting paid to learn. So if there's like a, a shop that I'm interested in, they do really great work. I'll like, Hey, do you guys need holiday help? Or you guys, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll just throw myself in and, and see, see what that world is like for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun to get paid to learn. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's different. Like I've, I've been fortunate to experience like the day job and consistency. And then I've also, you know, still like the entrepreneur thing, mm-hmm. which is there's pros and cons for each. Um, so it's, it's hard either way. <laughs> <laughs> Since you're doing um, lost uh, wax, um, teaching mm-hmm. casting um I'm just curious like what's the kind of the makeup of your students is it a pretty diverse group that you get to work with yeah actually it is it's awesome people of all ages um and there's some really like great dudes in there primarily what I've seen is obviously like mostly women um mm-hmm. I've taught at another school here in Austin, uh, it was creative side and now it is the Golden Jewelry Academy School. Um, but here at the community college, um, it is, yeah, a wide mix of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have, I really enjoy these longer courses because I get to um, really help them find their aesthetic you know I have a lot more time to expose them to different options in this industry that they can take um and hoping that I can you know broaden the scope other than just Etsy right um like just really pushing the envelope on what they can do and what avenue they want to take because there's so many little avenues within just like the jewelry world um, that you can do do you feel like you make an impact by one being like, you know, a female instructor um, and then two, like being able to say like, yeah, I do all these other things <laughs> instead of just that. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Um, you know, I've, I want to definitely inspire other people. I'm always advocating for people to get into the trades and, um, you know, definitely think that there's a, so much value. There's a big gap there. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what's going on. Like, like trades aren't going to go away. Right. Uh, you're, <laughs> you are valuable. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, and I hope to inspire other people that, yeah, you're not necessarily limited to that. Like I was always told, you know, like, no, you can't do that. Or you sh- ladies shouldn't mm-hmm. get their hands dirty. Like, you don't fix the car the you take the car to get fixed. And I was like, excuse me. No, like, <laughs> like I, but again, I was always like, all right, tell me what I can't do again. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I hope so. And I, there are certain, um, for example, the, my glass mentor in Chicago saw the value that in that as well. And we would give demonstrations to high school kids mm-hmm. Um, and he would always push me front and center, especially because I was just, I was a female, mm-hmm. um, to maybe inspire these girls and also just like teenagers in general. It's such a confusing time, um, that you don't necessarily have to be the doctor and the lawyer or the researcher. Um, you could be the person that helps the, the individual do the research. Like the researchers can't do their um, study their whatever they're doing without the blue collar people making their apparatuses for them so it's a really uh nice kind of teamwork thing there so I'm hoping that I um inspire a few other people to kind of get outside their comfort zone and try mm-hmm. something yeah definitely so I'm going to pivot a little bit away from like maybe more traditional trade and like fabrication yeah. into I found you through Leah's post about being at Maker <laughs> Camp. 
<laughs> oh, she's so cool. I love good her. to hang out with you. Yes, she is. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, have you been kind of in that orbit of like the maker world for a while now? And like, what was that your first time to make your camp and stuff? It was, it was my first time there. Um, I had such a great time actually meeting these people. So as far as like, I've been friends with people like Brett McAfee um, and, you know, Steve Pellegrino and a lot of the blacksmiths that showed up there. I've been, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know if I like have been in any specific orbit. I've been like Mm -hmm. popping in and out, you know, like I was part of like foundry and like, I just float around. So I don't know if I really consider myself part of that world, but I've definitely been connected with those people for years online so it was Mm -hmm. such a wonderful thing to like actually meet in person and maybe show them something that they're not necessarily familiar with and I had a really fun time like kind of bridging the gap so I was demonstrating glass blowing there and um, I just wanted to show them like the as the theory is not far from blacksmithing at all Um, so I wanted to kind of bridge that I gap a little bit yeah um yeah it was fun <laughs> yeah. I haven't I have not been to uh makers camp yet I think I really want to put it on the list for next year um and there was quite a few of my like favorite people there so I definitely this year that I want to seem like it broadened a little bit than what it's been uh in the past it seemed like there was a bit more I'll just say non-male representation there um and so I feel like it'd be a little bit more welcoming that being said I do think maker spaces in general tend to be pretty open to almost anybody um coming in who just wants to like have fun and make something yeah Um, hey makers today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it, and I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. So I, I... knew that you had done a demonstration I'm just curious had they reached out to you or was this like you were I'm going and why don't I do something while I'm there no um I was scheduled to do the glass last year okay um and we just did a virtual thing and I ended up just doing like a stone setting demonstration because it was I mean I already had access to the school and it was easier to film right Mm -hmm. um but they were just like they were are you interested in actually doing it this time and I was like of course um I think it was mostly through I'm not sure uh if it was like Austin that found me on his own or Chris Cash from the Axe and Iron podcast he was following me and like started seeing like that I was you know all over the place with like glass and metals and all that mm-hmm. stuff so they, they specifically are like we have enough blacksmiths and metal people <laughs> and we do something else I'm like yeah so um and it's surprisingly easy just to like take a torch I was um and honestly like for how like relatively young this event is it's mm-hmm. what like the third year um yeah I, the they're gonna yeah, yeah it's um I mean, I'm sure they're going to button stuff up, but it was impressive the amount of stuff that was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely see, I have like all the respect for Austin. Jeez, like, that's a lot to put on. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, Did you really- get to try anything you hadn't ever done before while there? 
Um, mostly I was like trying to help out the, the only thing I really did, um, was help fabricate like a wig situation. They built a, like, I don't know, three-story dinosaur that they burned. (laughs) So they're like, we need something to like light it up. I'm like, okay. (laughs) That was mostly it. I, I was actually hoping I, um, I didn't want to run out of oxygen. So I wasn't necessarily demoing the entire time, but Mm -hmm. I had set schedules of when to demo. Um, but mostly it was just, um, networking and, uh, seeing, all the woodworkers and there's so much there's like leather people there yeah. welding people like the lincoln electric um yep. just like i don't know there was there was a lot going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no that's awesome um what are you i mean covid is still like a thing and it still affects <laughs> like work and stuff um <laughs> But what are you kind of like, what do you have on the horizon that you're hoping to maybe either get back into or, or try new? I'm really trying to push harder towards the sculpture and uh, mixing in the glass a little bit more. Uh, I've been waiting for it to cool down here before I like turn on the torches. Because um, I, again, I share a shop mm-hmm. and uh, don't want to like... I mean, it's already like, you know, the summer is like triple digits. So, mm-hmm. um, so moving closer to that, I have a show up in Denver in mid-January. Um, so I'm excited about making work for that. I'm going to just try to spend as much time making a new body of work as well as um, doing a, a production line of smaller knives, more affordable. I'm hoping to keep them in the $200 range. Um, so I've been like working on, um, streamlining that process while working on a few custom knives here and there. And then, um, yeah, just getting ready for these shows and hopefully applying the new ones. Leah and I were talking about trying to do a pop-up exhibition in, in the Bay area sometime. So I'm hoping we can organize that. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be awesome to curate, um, something like that. But yeah, trying to push back towards the the art world because I feel like I've been out of it. And honestly, like there's a lot of things about the art world that I distinctly stepped away from for a reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. Um, so yeah, just doing it on my own terms. Um, yeah, yeah, it's no joke. Um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I have never, I have never officially like applied for a show um I've looked at it you know like I like Mm -hmm. occasionally like I'll be like okay where's like the call for artists or any of that kind of stuff and yeah I always find it intimidating um like just the whole like juried process and all Mm -hmm. of that and um this is still very much something that I don't get to do full time. So that also is intimidating because it's like, well, what if they say yes? Then I have to come up with like all of this work all of a sudden that I don't have just lying around my house. Um, I know. I, I almost feel like a masochist sometimes. Yeah. I put myself in these situations where then I'm like freaking out and having yeah. to like work. But I'm like at the same time, like that's like what do I want to be doing I don't know like (laughs) something wrong with my brain um but yeah I also like I preempt like my students for that too I'm like get ready get ready to pay for for rejection like you're gonna pay that fee submit all your stuff work really hard on your application and they're gonna tell you no over and over and over again and that's fine you know sometimes like I mentioned that's you got to pay your dues and Mm -hmm. like they just have to see like the perseverance mostly um I hate the politics involved because a lot Mm -hmm. of it is politics and who you know and all that but um I think that's why I enjoy doing things on my own terms that's why I I was actually part of a art collective here in in Austin uh they still run Icosa Collective um we did the exactly that we were just like there's nowhere to show our work um like and we just want to run a gallery that is on our terms. So uh, we did. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because um, I, I run the spectrum on guests on on the show, like you know, from everybody who's like you who's gone to art school and like kind of been in the art world to like me who's like nothing to do with the art world and just like taught myself to do this stuff. Um, so the I run the gamut, but I am I am always curious about this. You know, social media is like a big thing now like and getting like discovered isn't as maybe gatekeep kept as it was before like right. you, know, you used to only be able to like apply to be like in galleries and stuff like that like you couldn't really show your work otherwise um and given that you do all these all these things and you show it all on you know social media your completed works like where do you do you feel like that can give you an avenue to getting to maybe where you want to get outside of like the more traditional routes absolutely um yeah I mostly I just like look for like resume opportunities and um things like that I'm not as heavily like dedicated to just showing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, I was like, well, like I'm, I'm the one selling work. Like, why should I give someone 50% of right. the profit when <laughs> right. I was the one that found my client, the gallery's right. job is to find the client <laughs> and then, you know, so right. there's, there's that. I mean, obviously it's just like nice to exhibit your work mm-hmm. and have it, um, be exposed to a new, new clientele, new audience, just mm-hmm. someone that it might resonate with. Um, but yeah, I've been, I totally have been th- like thought about that. I'm like, why don't I just like put it up and show it and see if some, if someone wants to come see it, they can come see it. In person. Right. right. Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to like, just go to someone's house here and install in their home, you know, Mm-hmm. it's it's nice so like I'm, I'm right in town I'll, I'll do it myself you know like I'll go over there and, and put it up um, yeah and I've had like opportunities like there's a a local realtor who granted she's a friend of a friend you know that's how I kind of got hooked up but she does this whole thing like if she has a house on the market before it was this crazy like seller's market that it is right now but mm-hmm. if she had a house on the market that was like kind of going stale or having like a hard time getting it to move she would host like a gallery weekend at the house and so like she would bring in an artist or two to like basically fill the space with whatever their artwork was um that's smart I know (laughs) and so it's like but it was like a win-win right because it's like every time I did that like I would sell something somebody who came through would like buy something and she didn't take any commission off of my work there because the benefit was I would be telling people about like my show and they would come to see like my stuff (laughs) and but they would also see the house while they were there you know oh man that's so great (laughs) I wish like all situations like should be like that right like win-win yeah yeah Yeah. that's Um, awesome but you know I think like yes she's a friend of a friend but I don't think she would have like she totally stalked me on social media first before she was like willing to sit down and talk with me and social media allowed me to basically have this continuing ongoing virtual gallery for somebody to see all of the things that I create. I would not be able to do what I do without social media. Absolutely. A lot of the opportunities that I've been given to um, are, are because of social media because I have an immediate portfolio there um you know I, I remember reaching out to Neptune Glassworks and like I was just half joking like hey you guys make cool stuff like you guys need a hand and they were like actually yeah, um, yeah. so you know careful what you wish for right. that was like a really amazing experience for sure um definitely learned a lot uh but yeah again like I I would not be able to, I sell directly to my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I, people order uh, customs because they just kind of stumble upon what I do. And I, ca- I bank on that. I bank on the fact that they're going to invest in me mm-hmm. as an individual. Cause I know they can go to Academy and get like a 20, $40 knife. 
Right. But um, I do the same thing when I just like a person, you know, on, on, I love their personality mm-hmm. and want to support them. I'm going to buy something from them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've made a, I've made a very big effort uh, this year in particular to like when birthdays or Christmas or whatever is coming up instead of like just first instinct of going like to commercial retail, I'll be like, what makers do I know that I haven't bought something cool off of them that I like really love their work and like, how can I make that happen? (laughs) You know, and like going, going that route. And um, I mean, it's a win-win, right? For one, like usually the people I give that gift to are just like, so happy that it's like I even thought that path of like something that's very individualized like to them (laughs) yeah yeah Um, and then and then it's always somebody I've had on the podcast so it's like I can share the whole story about this really cool person (laughs) that that made it you know I think there's a huge shift towards that um I'm also involved with like Elk and Hammer Gallery that's like mostly focusing on the story of the maker right um and people are starting to really realize that there's a big shift and push in that direction which is amazing um because yeah like it means so much more um, i try to do the same thing and when i can't afford them i offer a trade yeah. <laughs> that's mostly like what i love doing trades yeah um that's the only way i can like really afford to collect art because like I mean, I can't even afford my yeah. own work. So. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely hear that. Yeah, no, I, that was one thing I learned in my first, like, when I in, had my first interaction with the art world, the idea of like, oh, the barter system is still very much alive, definitely yeah, in the art it. world. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like super exciting because it can be, I'm the same way. It's like, I want to, I value your work like what you make took you time and just like the things I do, but I can't afford to pay you in cash. So let's, right. what can I give you? That's like equivalent in time-wise, like right. to make yeah, that I'm slowly collecting, you know, it's, it's <laughs> wonderful. Um, you know, it's nice when, when they can pay, right. Obviously yeah. we all got bills, but yeah. <laughs> um, the same reason, right. It's like, I appreciate like what, the time it takes and like your aesthetic and your style and it's nice to have a part of that yeah exactly absolutely Mm -hmm. well we're getting towards the end of our time together uh andrea so i want (laughs) to give you a chance i know i want to give you a chance to let people know like you know what you have coming up soon and then like where they can find you and follow along with what you're up to um awesome well i mean i'm all over the place i'll be doing an iron pour soon so if you guys follow me i'll be posting a lot of stories about that and it's it's a rare thing to see um so my instagram handle is basically my name andrea delion with a bunch of underscores (laughs) yes um i know everyone i used to be uh, the dre destroyer but i changed it and everyone's mad that i changed it um and then, yeah, I'll, I'll have a show up in Denver. I believe it's January 14th, but I'll be advertising about that as well. And uh, stay tuned for the boot knives. They're going to be in the $200 range. If you guys are interested in buying a little something, um, yeah, I'll have a bunch of stuff for sale very soon. Awesome. And yes, I will include the links on how to like. <laughs> you. I know. I'm sure everyone has my name. There's like a million Andre Dillon. <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, chatting with me today. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. So again, that was Andrea De Leon, and I will include the links on how you can follow along with her and see what she's up to in the show notes for today's episode. So where can you find those show notes? Well, first, you can start by looking in the description for the episode on your podcast app. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube, check the description box down below, or you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find today's episode, as well as all the previous episodes there. 
Make sure you're following along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. That is where you will see me post about new episodes, so you might want to hit that follow button as well. If you enjoyed today's episode and any previous episodes, please make sure that you subscribe, like, and follow so you get notified when new episodes are up. When I'm not making podcast episodes and getting to chat with amazing makers, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor at freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings across pretty much all the social media platforms. I'm active on a daily basis, though, over on Instagram at Freeman Furnishings and pretty close to daily over on TikTok at Freeman Furnishings. So come on over and say hi. All right, we're heading into the middle of the week. I hope you're having a great week so far. And as always, let's go craft a revolution. Mm -hmm.